On this feast day of St. Matthias, we do not know much about him other than what is revealed in today's first reading, and that is that he succeeded Judas as an apostle. According to tradition, he evangelized Ethiopia, where he suffered martyrdom, just like the other apostles. There is also the possibility that Matthias was one of the 72 disciples of Jesus, according to statements from Clement of Alexandria and other early church writers. But it's what we learn about how Matthias was chosen that is important. Notice that Peter exercises primacy in setting down the conditions for the succession of bishops. This point must not be passed over lightly. From Acts chapter 15, we discussed Peter's primacy at the first council of the church in Jerusalem. His words are quoted first as he stands to pronounce definitively how one is saved, whether a Jew or a Gentile, that is, by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Only afterwards does James, as leader of the Jerusalem church, speak by acknowledging what Peter said and how it accords with the Old Testament prophecies that God would rebuild the house of David by gathering the Gentiles into his covenant family. James then proposes a pastoral plan that will help maintain unity in the early church between Jews and Gentiles by having the latter abstain from idle foods, fornication, and consumption of blood. These two events, the choosing of Matthias in chapter 1 and the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, must be kept together and read in the larger context of the New Testament if one is to fully appreciate Peter's primacy. What does the larger context tell us regarding Peter? First, in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus prays for Peter, in particular, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Second, Jesus commissions Peter in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17, to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Third, Peter is the first among the apostles to confess the divinity of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. Fourth, Peter is the one upon whom Jesus will build his church, given the keys of the kingdom and given the power of binding and loosing. Fifth, Peter's name heads all of the lists of the apostles in the New Testament and is mentioned more than all the other apostles combined. Sixth, Christ teaches from Peter's boat after which there is the miraculous catch of fish in Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. 7. Peter was the first apostle to enter the empty tomb after Jesus had risen. 8. Peter, as spokesman for the apostles, preaches the first sermon after Pentecost and explains its implications in Acts chapter 2 verse 14 and is the first to perform a miracle in Acts chapter 3 verses 6 to 12 and the first traveling missionary of the early church. 7. The people recognize Peter as the leader in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, when they bring the sick, so that, quote, his shadow might fall on them. Finally, Peter is the first to welcome Gentiles into the church after receiving the vision in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 48, of a sheet coming down from heaven filled with unclean animals and told, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
With this larger context, one can more fully appreciate the role of the Holy Father today and God's gift of the Church in continuity with the Book of Acts. We should rejoice that the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church that is proclaimed every Sunday in our Creed is the same as that founded on Peter because of apostolic succession that still is guided by the Holy Spirit. As regards Matthias, once he was chosen, the apostles would have handed to him what they received directly from Jesus Christ. This would have been orally transmitted since the New Testament scriptures had not yet been written. The importance of sacred tradition, whether oral or written, begins here. As St. Paul would later emphasize, quote, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. The other important point in today's first reading is that Peter lays down the main qualifications for leadership, that is, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthias met this standard because he accompanied the Lord from his baptism to his ascension. That same qualification of relationship to Christ applies to us today because we are each called to leadership in the church, that is, leadership in service, whether it is as a bishop or priest, deacon or layperson on a church committee, or as a husband, wife, father, mother, teacher, mentor, or some combination thereof. We are all called by the Lord, as the Gospel says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What's important is to recognize that it's not just one call or a particular vocation. Rather, from the moment Jesus chooses us to follow him, that is, from baptism, there flows a number of subsequent invitations, depending on our response and our cooperation with his grace. These invitations build upon each other so that we grow in our primary vocation of holiness. In fact, this call to holiness precedes our baptism and goes all the way back into the original plan of God for our lives. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, he states, starting at verse 4, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. End of quote. When we are faithful to our call, and especially in the little things, we open ourselves to greater calls and greater responsibility. If we fail, it's important to immediately repent and seek restoration of grace. That's exactly what Peter did after his many failures, and Jesus restored him. Had Judas repented, Jesus would have restored him as well. As the responsorial psalm tells us in today's readings, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. Psalm 113. Finally, our gospel has particular application to what has been said about leadership by emphasizing love. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, 
so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. John chapter 15, verses 9 to 12. Notice the link and interrelatedness of obedience, love, and joy in Jesus' advice to his disciples. When, in servant leadership, we obey God's commandments, love follows, and where there is love, joy ensues. This is at the heart of the new evangelization emphasized in particular by the writings of Pope Francis in his first encyclical, The Joy of the Gospel. In the first two paragraphs, the Holy Father interweaves these three elements within the challenges of contemporary life. Quote, the joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. Those who accept his offer of salvation are set free from sin, sorrow, inner emptiness, and lowliness. With Christ, joy is constantly born anew. In this exhortation, I wish to encourage the Christian faithful to embark upon a new chapter of evangelization marked by this joy, while pointing out new paths for the church's journey in years to come. The great danger in today's world, pervaded as it is by consumerism, is the desolation and anguish born of a complacent yet covetous heart, the feverish pursuit of frivolous pleasures and a blunted conscience. Whenever our inner life becomes caught up in its own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others, no place for the poor. God's voice is no longer heard, the quiet joy of his love is no longer felt, and the desire to do good fades. This is a very real danger for believers, too. Many fall prey to it and end up resentful, angry, and listless. That is no way to live a dignified and fulfilled life. It is not God's will for us, nor is it the life in the Spirit which has its source in the heart of the risen Jesus." End of quote. Jesus concludes today's gospel by inviting us into his friendship precisely by obeying the law, through which the Father will give us whatever we ask in Jesus' name and thus bear abundantly the good fruit that will last forever.